0: This is episode 76. Worldwide efforts to kill the COVID-19 curve include brigades of contact tracers, teams of dedicated people whose job is to talk to those infected and perform virus detective work.
1: We're trying to determine where you got it and where you could have passed it on to.
0: Contact tracing is labor-intensive. It can be difficult, especially when the patient is feeling miserable.
1: I understand that this isn't gonna be the most fun phone call you've ever had.
0: And it's invasive.
1: But it can potentially save hundreds and thousands of lives.
0: In this episode of All Hazards, we check back in with contact tracer, Brittany Peterson. She's completed her training and has more than a month of calls behind her now. What is she seeing? What are the challenges of contact tracing? And what has she learned? Contact tracing on the job, right now. All right, back in the studio with Brittany Peterson. This is uh, Brittany Peterson part you. Contact tracing. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, you look like it. Looks like you've got a little bit of sun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good. <laughs> now I'm stuck inside now in you're my st- house, and I, so the weekends I spend. Out in nature. Good. That's the only thing I can do. You should. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to find something to do when everything's closed or limited in what you uh, can do there. But it's good to see you. Thanks for coming back and chatting.
1: Yeah, it's good to see you.
0: Contact tracing. We're hearing a lot about it. Yeah. How's it going for you? Uh, for those who don't know, let me just recap real quick before we get into that. It was around mid-June that uh, you and I last talked about your... Uh, training for contact tracing. You hadn't quite gotten to the point where you were talking to people yet, right?
1: So yeah, I just finished the initial contact tracing training that they give to all the contact tracers. So I was assigned LA County, um, a big one. Mm-hmm. and um, they have their own training that you have to go through. and that took about a week and a half to to navigate. Um, and it was kind of chaotic. It was through teams, and we had nine hundred potential contact tracers on there and we had to navigate wow. all the files and take all these exams and all these pre-recorded videos, um, to do all that training. Um, and then we had to take that final exam, sign a couple documents and just wait. And then
0: you passed, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Um, and then we got assigned, um, a manager and a supervisor and they just asked us to introduce ourselves to them and also include our normal supervisor here at, um, mine at Cal OES.
0: Yeah. So for those who haven't listened to the previous one, you should go back and listen. But if uh, you haven't, and you're just now dialing us in, you came here from Cal OES. Your job is with Cal OES, but you were pulled away from that so that you could assist with contact tracing.
1: Yeah. So they're pulling, um, for Cal OES, it's 5%. I believe for other state companies, it's 10% of employees too do the big job of contact tracing because of this pandemic.
0: So paint a picture for me. How's it been going so far? Let's say your first couple of weeks, how'd it go?
1: So they really eased us in. Um, we did a lot in our team. Our team's about 10 big, um, cause they separated us. Um, and we did a lot of meetings and going over the scripts. We did practicing with our teammates and then we got assigned cases and they started off. We'd get Anywhere from like two to five cases a day. And then we had another team meeting, and we were told, okay, LA County's been giving us twenty cases to spread between you guys. And soon they're saying that they're going to give you give us two hundred and fifty. So it's a kind of a big jump, it's but they did, yeah, but mm-hmm. they did ease us into it a little bit and like let us get used to the script because none of us have done anything like this before. And a lot of people were nervous. And I know a lot of people on my team would constantly call me and they asked if they would practice. Um, I feel more comfortable talking with people. And I think more the anxiety was making sure that we were getting the right information from the people. And that's what they were nervous about.
0: So tell me how it works.
1: So we have a whole system. It's like a database that they give us. And our supervisor will email us in the morning and say, okay, we distributed cases. Please check your your, um, your accountant to see who we've assigned you. And so I'll get onto my first case, I'll look, I'll see when they tested positive, and then I have to calculate their isolation date. And because LA County is a very impacted county, we are not only doing the contact tracing, but we're doing the case investigating as well. So we are doing both. So I'll call and I'll see, I'll calculate it, I'll call them. If I get a voicemail, I have to document what time I called. Um, and what, what what was the result? And so mm-hmm. if I got a voicemail, we have a whole script that we have to read for the voicemail, like an extension so they can call us back.
0: And do they actually call you back?
1: I've gotten a few calls back. Mm-hmm. It's really rare. Yeah. Yeah. And they want us. LA County asked us if we don't get a call, so we make our first initial call. Then we can go on and move on to our other contacts or our other interviews. And then we have to go back. We have to at least try three times a day. And we get three days to try to reach that contact before we can close them. I see. So we're initially going to call nine times mm-hmm. and 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 do what we can to get in a hold of you. Um, and so whether or
0: not you talk to them nine times, if you haven't talked to them, you're done.
1: Yeah. And then I think LA County might look into it more. Um, so for the interview and not the contact, we... We'll talk to them. And they normally, I haven't had a case that doesn't know that they're positive yet. Mm. But we do have a thing in the script. If we contact them and we're like, oh, have you gotten your results back? And if, we, if they say no, we, we would tell them that they tested positive. Oh, okay. and, But most of them have already known. They're already at their home. They're already I- isolating. We just give them more information. And then we try to collect information. We, again, make sure that they know Um, their information is going to be only between us. It's not going to be used for anything. It's not going to be used to it. Yeah. 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 I mean, we had to sign a whole HIPAA, everything. So we really make sure that they know that their information's private and that it's not going to deny them any help. Like anything that they give us, we're not going to deny them help for it because we want to make sure that if you're sick and you need help, that you're going to get it. In the interview, we explain that we're doing this interview because we want to better understand where you got uh, exposed to, and then if you potentially have exposed anybody else. Mm. So we have these questions that ask, okay, two days before you started feeling sick, or ten days before, or yeah, ten days before you tested positive, um, where have you visited, or where were you? And normally they can kind of, so far at least in my interviews, they've kind of know where they got it and it's been a lot of backyard gatherings and i mm. think that has to be due to you're around family or friends and you have this like sense of trust in these people yeah. and it's like covid doesn't care if you trust them or not it right. just is there and no one in it, like no one goes in wanting to get someone sick
0: but are they telling you then that they felt because they were family that they were in the clear
1: yeah they they when I answer, they're like, oh, well, you know, I was at a 4th of July barbecue, and I, I, I just thought it would be okay. Like, I'm just my family. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this sense of security, because it's your family. It's your friends. But then they're like, oh, well, five other people from this barbecue tested positive, too, yeah. and started getting symptoms. So now we're all isolating. And I think they understand. It's so hard to, like, forget that. It's, it's a virus. It's, mm-hmm. It has nothing to do. Like you could give me the virus just as much as my mom could give me the virus. Right. Like there's no.
0: So I'm curious. I'm curious. So when you're talking to them and they're explaining to you yeah. that I got it at a backyard barbecue or we had a birthday party for aunt Josephine or whatever, did they ever admit that one, that maybe they were, that finally they realized they were wrong or two, that now they believe it. Or was there ever that aha moment, sort of that epiphany that, you know, I screwed up and I shouldn't have done what I did?
1: I don't know if they've given that to me, but every time I've called someone, like they seem sad. They Hmm. seem like they don't feel good. I've had some people with like very minor loss of smell, Hmm. loss of taste, and that was like really their only symptom. But then I've had other who has like almost every symptom that's on there. And I think it is like an aha moment where you're like, okay, this is serious. And I only know it's serious now because it's happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people think, okay, well, I'm going to go to this barbecue or this backyard sh- like party and mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine because we're only staying in a small group. And it's like, well, okay, you don't know who there like was with another small group the day before and, and like who they were with. And it just spreads so easily. So to stay quarantined and to, have your small, like the people you're living with or like Mm -hmm. that close group of friends that you guys are only seeing each other. Like it's so important not to expand your circle.
0: Yeah. So did any of them admit, yeah, we didn't wear face masks?
1: No, everybody says that they wear face masks all the time. Even at
0: the backyard barbecue. Yeah,
1: because that's one of the questions. Like Uh when you're around people that are not in your household, how often do you wear a mask? Yeah. Everybody, everyone said always, I always wear a mask.
0: Interesting. Really interesting. Uh, what about employers? Have you heard from any of these people that uh, they got it while they were at work?
1: Yeah, really? that's again the second the second place that I've heard. So uh, the most common is the backyard barbecues or okay. small get-togethers. The next one is workers at like a Target or a grocery store, wherever who are exposed to the public. Right. And. Uh, wow. That's, it's sad to me. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so sad because these people are just trying to do their job. Yeah. And trying to earn a living. Yeah. And, and they're, I, I hope they're taking the precautions that they can, but you can't help that you're being exposed to hundreds of people coming in and out every day. Right. And so when they get sick, a lot of them though, their employer will let them take the two weeks off or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But I've had one where her employer's like, you have to be back on Monday. And she's like, can I get a note? Can I get a letter? I need something. So I had to give find the information that she could contact LA County and get that letter oh, saying no. that, no, her isolation date actually isn't for another seven days. So no, she needs to stay isolated for yeah. those seven days. Good,
0: good. Have you been surprised by any of the answers that you've been given?
1: Not surprised because I feel like, I've been working here with you guys, so I've been so exposed to all the media and all the issues, all the behind-the-scenes things, so I have a really good idea of, like, how it spreads and, and where it can spread and what people are doing, and we that's all we do is we gain information on this mm-hmm. subject.
0: We'll continue our conversation with contact tracer Brittany Peterson in just a moment. Coming up, Selling a Tough Conversation.
1: We're trying to determine where you got it and where you could have passed it on to.
0: That's one of the keys to stopping the spread of the coronavirus, following the path of least resistance through social interaction at a time when it should be social distancing.
1: I do miss my friends and I do miss my family, but I would never want to be one responsible for spreading it to anyone else.
0: Contact tracing is an experience that's already having a profound effect on this well-trained professional.
1: To hear their stories and what they're going through and their pain at this moment, it kind of humbles me.
0: Back to our conversation with contact tracer, Brittany Peterson. What has been the reception from the people on the phone uh, when you call them and then you actually talk to someone and you tell them who you are and what you're doing? What has been their reception to you?
1: Everybody who's called, I've had one person who was like, I don't, I can't answer the phone right now. Like, please email me all your questions. That actually happened to me today. So hmm. hopefully I'll figure out what that process will be. Cause that's a first for me. That was maybe my biggest surprise so oh, far is okay. someone who doesn't want to talk to us, but knows that they need to give this information out. And so they want to do it like another, another form. Everyone else I talked to they seem, again, like more sorrow. They they And it's a long interview. It's, is it? Yeah. So without a translator, it could take anywhere from, I'd say, 25 to 40 minutes. But with a translator, it takes almost double that time. And my script that I have to give when I'm giving these case interviews is 12 pages long. And then if they have contacts that they've been in contact with, we have another set of like three pages that we have to ask for each contact. So it could go... I think my longest one that I had was an hour and a half. And oh, that's because boy. this person had at least six contacts. Yeah. And boy. so it really depends. Yeah. Sometimes I get someone who doesn't have any contacts. They isolated beforehand. They don't know where they got it really. And that one took, I think, like 25 minutes. And yeah. it was a quick and done nice. interview. But then there's, again, the ones with, like, a lot of contacts. Or if you use a translator... Um, And it really can go long and they get tired of that because they're also not feeling well. Mm. They're also a little bit scared because this is like you hear like all of the negative things online. And so they're scared about their own health and how they're feeling and who they've exposed. So how do
0: you respond to that?
1: I think it's really, you have to use like the compassion in your voice and you have to have empathy and, and you're like, okay, like I know this is a really hard time. I'm here to answer any of your questions. Um, And you really want them to make it more, like, I don't want them to feel like I'm reading off a script. I want to make it feel more conversational. I'll, I'll apologize. I'll be like, this is going to take a bit, like, but we do need this information so we can help you and we can help others. And I think that everyone's been very responsive to that. And you can tell towards the end, they're like, oh my God, more questions, more questions. And, um, but they understand you just have to keep telling them this is for you. This is for us. This is how we're going to stop the spread. Right. We need this information. And Super I, important. Yeah,
0: and they understand that. It sounds like you just. Yeah, said, right?
1: they've all been very yeah. understanding about well, it. That's good. Um, even like when we're using a translator, it takes a lot of personal touch because you're, you're. I'm talking to this translator, and then they're translating it there, and then they're translating it back to me, and so I don't get to be as personal with that. I have to kind of stick to the script because when you're talking to a translator, you have to use short sentences, and. That's been my biggest challenge, I think.
0: So does the, the translator come on like a, a third line?
1: Yeah, so I'll call, and uh, most of the time when I call, I'll, I'll ask, oh, is so-and-so here? And they'll be like, yes, and or they won't know what I'm saying, and they'll say, it, like, they don't speak English. Or someone will come on the phone and be like, can you we get a translator? Or I'll ask if they need a translator. That's normally one of the first questions that comes out after I introduce mm-hmm. who I am. Um, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to call you back in a minute with a translator. And so I'll call the translator, I'll pick the language, I'll talk to the translator, and then he, the translator will dial in the number I give him, and that's, he'll introduce um, himself and then me to the, the contact, um, and then we'll start our conversation from there.
0: Have you and the translator, have you, you've talked ahead of time, or maybe the translator is aware that they need to have the same kind of empathy and compassion in their voice that you would have.
1: Definitely. And I I think they know they're so well trained. Okay, good. Every time I've talked to them, and they're even so polite to me. They're like, All right, ma'am, just can you repeat that one more time? And Uh like I've I'm like, Yeah, of course. Like, (laughs) no big deal at all. And um, or like sometimes I'll like talk too fast and they're like, wait, can you say that one more time? I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't apologize. They're so you can tell that they're putting a lot into Mm. this, which is makes me feel comfortable with it and makes me feel good knowing that this person I'm interviewing is getting that same compassion I would get because I've never had a bad translator so far.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So besides the language barrier, uh, what are some of the other obstacles that you've encountered so far with doing your job?
1: Definitely getting people to answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I only get like a 25 to 35% 35% answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've called people nine times. I've done all that. Um, mm-hmm. And people just don't... Well, one, it comes up as just a number. And how many times do people answer no caller ID numbers? And, right. and then we're leaving these voicemails and they're going to get nine voicemails from me. And they're going to be sick <laughs> and tired of hearing, hey, this is Brittany Peterson from LA County. <laughs> like, um, and so it's, it's getting them because... I think too if they're not feeling well, who wants to talk on the phone? And they're like, okay, well, I already know I have it. Like, what else do they want from me? They don't under- I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of this task.
0: So, if one of those, or a group, or a population of those people who you have yet to call but are going to call, or someone else is going to call, what would you tell them right now?
1: That. I understand that this isn't going to be the most fun phone call you've ever had, but it can potentially save hundreds and thousands of lives. Because if you did get this at work, well, then maybe your work is contaminated or has been hit by the virus and something needs to happen there. So you're not continuing the spread there. Or we're trying to, de- we're trying to determine where you got it and where you could have passed it on to. And by talking to us, we can maybe stop this, or if we can get to your contacts before that they go out and spread it to other people, think of the hundreds and thousands of people we could stop here. So I know that this is inconvenient and you're not feeling good and it's going to be a long call and it's not the most fun call. You're going to be saving so many lives. And that's what's important about it.
0: For sure. I mean, that's absolutely. And that's what this is all about. Intel, uh, life-saving Intel. It's, It's critical, critical. Absolutely. Are you getting any feedback from those above you who are saying, you know, what you learned so far through your contact tracing has done this? It has either helped us identify uh, an origin or it has helped us identify a major problem. Has anything come back to you in that sense?
1: We haven't had any feedback on are in the results. Yeah. Yeah. We had like, I mean, I can kind of see it. Like I've had an interview and I've gotten all the cases or I've, yeah, I've I've had an interview and I've gotten the contacts from that. And then the next day I'll have those contacts in my, my, my contact to do in progress Mm. file. Um, and so I can see like, okay, now I'm going to call and I'm stopping it here. Like I get to stop the spread there. And I'd say that's like the only feedback I've really gotten from this so far.
0: Okay. So tell me this. Has politics at all got in the way of you being effective?
1: Not in my experience okay. yet. Everyone either doesn't answer, and if they do, they seem very willing to, to answer. I haven't had any negative feedback from that.
0: So one of the important things, too, about being a contact tracer is to make sure that people trust you and who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, what would you tell those people who, if they got a call from somebody and they weren't sure?
1: Yeah. So we immediately identify ourselves, um, and we never ask any information that you wouldn't be able to give, like a friend or family. So it's not like we ask. We have everything, and we verify information. So I'm like, okay. Well, your birthday is this, this, this. Is that correct? And then, so we have all this information. We don't need your social security. We don't need a credit card or a debit card number. We don't need any of that really personal information. We need, like, the basics to make sure that we are talking to the right person, to make sure we have the right um, address for you, email for you, so we can get these documents to you. But we, we identify ourselves right away and we get this out of the way so you know that we are who we say we are. And if you ever feel uncomfortable or like we're asking questions that shouldn't be asked, you can question that. And we have an employee ID number and we have an extension. You can call back and call my extension if you want. And it's through LA County. The number I give is through LA County. So it's like another way to verify who I am, who I am.
0: What are you expecting in the near future?
1: I think now that our team is more established and we're getting more experience, I think my load is just going to get heavier. And I'm hoping that people understand the importance of it because I would like to make every call that I make an answered call instead of, okay, I have five contacts today and I'm only going to talk to two of them.
0: Let me ask you this. What have you learned personally in this experience?
1: I think personally, so I'm I'm a young adult and I'm very social, and I know being stuck in quarantine has been very hard, especially for being an extroverted adult and social adult, Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to see all my friends, and I want to see all my family, Um, and you get to a point where you've been stuck up so long. You're like, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to, like, see. I want to be around people. I want things to be back to normal to now kind of be face-to-face with that and see how these people are doing and to, to hear their stories, and what they're going through, and their pain at this moment, it kind of humbles me, and I'm like, okay, you know, I do miss my friends, and I do miss my family, but I would never want to be, one, responsible for spreading it to anyone else, and two, I don't want to go through what some of these people are going through. It seems really miserable, and, and like people can die, and to know my one selfish act of going to this barbecue, or not wearing a mask while I'm outside walking by people. Like I don't want to be responsible for giving it to anybody or taking it home and giving it to my roommate or you know, anything like that or my family member. So um, it's
0: raised your own awareness.
1: It definitely has. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I I think it's humbled me a lot and mm-hmm. I'm so now I have my my small group of like three people that I hang out with, and that's all we're seeing is our, each mm-hmm. other. And if I do anything like active, I'll go out into the woods somewhere and go swim at the river, do something like that. Because there are ways to still be out and doing something. You don't have to be stuck inside, but you can do stuff safely. Cool. I've learned a lot about being personally responsible for what I can do.
0: Talking with Brittany Peterson, who is a Cal OES employee, but right now on temporary assignment as a contact tracer the state of California here uh, for the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, you're doing good work. Keep it going. Any uh, end in sight for you on this? Or is this sort of open ended?
1: It's a six month deployment. Um, I heard it can be extended if it's needed, which I kind of see that likelihood being very likely at this (laughs) point. Um, But for now, it's just six months. So I'm thinking end of December will be the end unless it's extended
0: working out of your home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At least you're saving on gas, right?
1: Yes, a lot. (laughs) No, I'm gaining in parking tickets. Oh, no. (laughs) Street cleaning. No, no,
0: no, no, don't do that. All right, Brittany Peterson, thank you so much, and um, good luck to you. And maybe at the end of this thing, we'll talk to you again, and uh, we'll make this a three-parter and uh, just see really how the whole deployment worked for you as a contact tracer.
1: Yeah, perfect. Take care. Thanks.
0: All right, my thanks again to Brittany for taking the time to chat with me about her temporary assignment as a California contact tracer. If you want to know more about this topic or anything to do with COVID-19, be sure to go to covid19.ca.gov as well as caloes.ca.gov and oesnews.com. All are great resources where we have a ton of information and links. Hey, if you like listening to All Hazards, Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. A reminder to wear those masks when walking around in public and when you can't socially distance. It just may save a life. For everyone here at the Office of Public Information at Cal OES, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe.
1: You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links and give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook
0: and let us know what you think.
1: We'd love to hear from you.